0: Hello, and welcome to the Dynasty Locker Room Podcast. I'm Nation here, and with me today, I have Tyler and the Test Monster. Really excited to bring Tyler on board here, and why don't you introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, really excited to be uh, joining the Dynasty Locker Room team. I, uh, I really just come with more of a baseball mindset. I'm not going to be really joining you guys for the football or uh, hockey standpoint, it's just going to be baseball that I'll be focusing on with uh, my articles. Right now, I've been publishing a boom and bust article for each division. I'm currently uh, looking at doing the AL West bust article here uh, this weekend, hopefully. And uh, I'll be also focusing on some prospect articles as well as some in-depth look on players like uh, Michael Kopech and, and some other prospects that might be looking at jumping into the MLB and really making a standpoint. but. Yeah, really excited to be joining your
0: guys' team. Yeah, really excited to have you. I know uh, talking prospects with you last year, there was a couple of players that have made a big jump on the top 100 list this year for everyone else that you were pretty high on last year. So really excited to let you voice your opinion and uh, dive deep into some of these lesser known prospects and give everyone a little bit more insight into uh, some of these deeper prospects that had that possibility in jumping into round one and round two in some of your uh, dynasty rookie drafts coming up here
1: definitely i I don't think uh you can get enough information on prospects obviously there's uh you know some information out there but uh a lot of different opinions out there and you know you're, you're going to be right on some of the prospects that you're going to predict jumping pretty high up and then some prospects maybe you know based off injuries or performance just really taking a step back and we're going to be looking you know at deep dives in some of these prospects
0: and why you should uh invest in them absolutely and Test Monster, glad to have you with me again. Uh, what's going on with you?
2: You know, I'm I'm really glad to be here with you again. It's another week here at the Dynasty Locker Room. Obviously, you introduced Tyler. I've been trying to get him to make some bad baseball trades like he's made in football, but he seems to have a little bit more knowledge there. So, not much I can do.
0: Don't we all so for this podcast series again, as Tyler's talking about diving deep into some of these lesser-known prospects. Uh, we're going to be starting a first of a four part series on a top 100 prospects. And on this first one here, we'll be looking at uh, some of those 75 to 100 ranked prospects and being able to give a deep dive, highlight some of those uh, players that uh, we think we could be able to make that jump into uh, some of those higher rounds coming in the future years. And we don't really want to focus on things that aren't as happening as fast as we want them to into the MLB negotiations and ignoring everything Rod Manfred. So let's take a deep dive into some of those prospects now. And the first prospect that we want to touch on here is going to be Mackenzie Gore, a player that has fallen down draft boards after a couple of unexpected subpar seasons. You guys had him ranked at 100 in your top 100 prospect list. I know Test Monster, you wanted to touch on him, so kick it off here.
2: Yeah, I mean, Mackenzie Gore is a guy everybody's got on their radar. Everybody's known about him since 2017 when he was a first-round pick as a prep arm. Uh, Widely considered one of the game's best prospects for years. Absolutely dominant in 2019 with a 169 ERA, 135 Ks, and 101 innings with only 28 walks. Uh, The walk seems to be the key word for him moving forward, though. He seemed to struggle with control in 2020 during the COVID-shortened year in off-site workouts and this is the primary reason he wasn't promoted to the MLB that year despite a massive need for the Padres down the stretch with injuries and those walk issues with mechanics seem to remain in 2021. Walk rate absolutely ballooned to 5.0 and there's just a lot of question marks about him at this point.
1: Yeah I couldn't agree more I think there's a big concern with his mechanics and control I uh I mean this was a prospect I thought we'd see debut already and I was extremely high on. I I was adamant that you know this is a guy that is going to break out in 2021, and I I think you know he still has that potential to really you know break into the MLB this year, if not 2023. I think he's going to have a bounce back year in El Paso this season. I think he was a big victim of a a high BABIP and Double A and Triple A sitting right around 350, but I think if he can work on his location, he still has that plus fastball, curveball, and slider. I I do see him gaining his reputation and having a bounce back season this year. And, uh, you know, I think this could be a late season debut this year, if not 2023, for
0: sure. Tyler, you touched on him having three-plus pitches and knowing his control issues that he's had. Test Monster, can you think of any player that would be comparable? I know there's a lot of uh, prospect pitchers or even players in the major leagues that you say, hey, if he could just – figure out his control, he'd be a a great player. Is there anybody that comes uh, to your mind? You know, I'm not a huge
2: guy who does player comps, um, but that aside, you know, Tyler kind of touched on it. This is a guy who still has a ton of upside. I mean, you talk about that deceptive slider and curve, and there's not a ton that's really great about them, except they're so deceptive because of his delivery. I mean, you talk about a fastball that sits at 93 with cutting action. And that's really where the slider and curve come into play because they come out of the same arm slot. And you talk about a guy who added a fourth pitch with the changeup in 2019 that really proved to be dominant against right-handed hitters. If, if he can figure out those mechanical issues, I think this is a guy who still has upside if he can control those walks.
0: Mackenzie Gore being that guy that has been falling down the draft boards, let's now switch our focus to a guy that's been rising up a lot of people's draft boards, maybe not even on draft boards last year. And that player is Joe Ryan. Tyler, you have him ranked at 79 in your top 100 list. Tell us what you like about him, and we'll figure out why the Test Monster doesn't have him in his top 100.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a guy I'm going to heavily invest in in 2022, uh, in the minors after his career at Cal State, he worked his way up through the Tampa Bay system before he was traded to the Twins. He's consistently had a 12K per nine, um, you know, through his stint in the uh, minor leagues all the way up into Triple A. He's always had a very comfortable walk rate, sitting right around two walks per nine. He finally got promoted to the Twins, and you know, we saw some really good quality starts against the Cubs and Indians. You know, two subpart teams, and we we sort of saw his K rate uh, take a little bit of a dip. Only major concern I have for Joe is the lack of speed and spin rate on each of his pitches. Uh, However, with uh, his width percentages on his slider and curveball, they do lead me to believe that he's going to transition to MLB and potentially be a top three starter for the Twins this year.
2: I want to preface this by saying I don't dislike Joe Ryan, because as a Twins fan, he's a guy I'm really excited about. You talk about a guy with a career minor league ERA in the low threes, a consistent 12 or higher K per nine, and a walk per nine that's shrunk in every season. But from a fantasy standpoint, he's absolutely a player that scares me because I have no idea what to make of him. You're going to hear me say this phrase a lot. There's no precedent for a player that sits in the low 90s having a strikeout rate north of 30%. There's no precedent for a pitcher throwing his 70% of the time at the major league level. At any level in the last 80 years, there's also no precedent for pitchers with a release point as low as his that remain as a starter long-term. You talk about a fastball that has a one to two o'clock tilt, but still generates backspin, causing hitters to swing and miss under it, and the approach at uh, it approaches the plate at an upward angle. I just it, it it scares me that I don't know what to make of him because we've never seen a player of his caliber do this at any level.
0: I think when we got to see him at target field in his debut and in his first few starts coming out there, I thought he looked really good the first two times through the lineup. And then it was like that third time through the lineup, or he would give up maybe a three run home run that really inflated his ERA and made it uh a lot more average or below average than I think he pitched last year. I think that translated into his ground ball percent and fly ball percent, and they were flip flop to league averages. He was giving up a fly ball percent at about 45, that when his home run percent was at 4%, the one out of every 10 fly balls was going out of the park, and that's just not going to be sustainable for him in the long term. So I think once those go back to league averages, you're going to see him be able to uh, continue his success and build upon uh, what I thought was a very successful first stint in the major leagues. And I'm on Tyler's train. I like him in the top 100. I like him in that top 80, maybe even that close to that top 60 here. So I think there's a lot of potential and a lot of opportunity for him, Tyler. I know you're going to touch that opportunity. What do you think?
1: Yeah, honestly, one of my biggest sayings uh, that I've been sticking with lately is with opportunity comes production. And I think, you know, he's going to make his way into their uh, starting rotation this year. And with uh, opportunities gonna come production for him. I think, you know, the more seasoned he gets with a full year under his belt in the majors, I think we're really gonna see him. I mean, a lot of a lot of these pitchers come in and, you know, they have success, you know, first two times through lineup and it takes a while for them to adjust, you know, through that third time because they have to get used to different analytics when they're facing a team. They have to go more in depth and adjust a little bit more. And I think that is a struggle we see with minor leaguers. And you know last year or I shouldn't say last year 2019 we saw him you know average about five to six innings per start I think you know it's going to be a challenge for him he's going to have to find a way to stretch out a little bit more but I think you know he has that mentality when you watch him pitch he 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 came in looking like a big leaguer right off the get-go and I think that opportunity we're going to see a lot more production out of him this year and I, I do see him being probably the number three starter for the twins this year. I guess for me, one of the other concerns too, though, is that his secondary stuff
2: isn't nearly as strong. And that's what causes him to lean on that fastball a little bit more. I mean, he does have that four pitch mix and he touched on that slider that has a strong whiff rate North of 30%, but it lacks horizontal movement compared to the major league average. We're talking four inches. So that's a big concern for me over the long term. He also has location issues like nation mentioned uh, causing the long ball. I mean, You look at his changeups on his heat map last year, and he left them all over the middle of the plate. And that's going to be something that needs to improve on his secondary offerings to really make him a complete pitcher and for me to believe in him in the long term.
0: I think we all come down to it. Tyler, you're a born again Twins fan with us now here in Minnesota. And we're really looking (laughs) forward to seeing him pitch again here next year for the Twins. Fun fact, I got to meet his dad after his debut at Target Field and he's a great guy. I'll be cheering for him and being able to watch his success moving forward. So I'm really looking forward to what he's gonna be able to show next year for our Minnesota Twins. And the next player we wanna look at is somebody that Tyler doesn't have in his top 100 and Test Monster has just breaking the top 100 and that's gonna be right around 100 overall that they have him ranked as well. That's gonna be Aaron Ashby. And I'm really surprised that he fell out of tires 100. Tess, what do you like about him moving forward? You look
2: at a fourth round pick for the Brewers in 2018. He's got a strong minor league track record for limiting contact and striking out hitters at a high rate. Uh, you look at his 455 ERA last season between starting and relieving. But if you take out those two clunkers, the first of the year and the last of the year against the Cubs, where he failed to record more than one inning pitched, and you look at a 178 era with 38 k's and 30 innings last year uh, he's got five pitches mostly relies on that slider sinker and changeup. that slider could be one of the best pitches in the major leagues it had a 0.077 batting average against last year with a whiff rate above 40 percent and that sinker sits in the upper 90s but he did have a tendency to leave it up last year i'd like to see him rain in that walk rate it was about major league average but in the minor leagues it was
1: pretty consistently above that and that's something he could definitely stand to improve on. Yeah you know I, I think you touched on a lot of things that I'll touch on and you know it's not that I don't like Aaron Ashby I think he does have a potential to really pan out as a starter but I sort of lean to him as being a bullpen arm for Milwaukee which scares me and uh, you know he's never had a ERA below 3.5 even from rookie ball all the way to MLB He's always boasted a you know a high K percentage, but that walk rate has always been a little bit of a concern of mine. Uh like you said, his slider I think is by far his best pitch. His sinker, however, you know, he did struggle this year. He had a low whiff percentage on it. Uh it's one of those things where, you know, he's gonna have to adjust on some of his his pitches to really tone in some of his success. And I just think that this is the type of pitcher when you watch him pitch in a short inning you know two innings and maybe long reliever stint, he's going to be able to really show off you know how dominant his pitches are but i think when you try to lengthen a pitcher like him out i think we're going to see him struggle more and i can see uh him turning into a bullpen arm from Milwaukee, and that's that's probably my biggest concern
2: yeah i mean you you talk about that low whiff rate on the sinker and that's just not as much of a concern for me because you see that 70% ground ball rate on that. And I think that's what is really productive about that pitch. And if he can locate that a little bit better in the lower quadrant of the strike zone, I think he's going to have a lot more success with that pitch. I think what really scares me is you touched on that relief risk and it reminds me a little bit of a hater, but I, I think the relief risk is more profiled towards Milwaukee just doesn't necessarily have a job for him this year. I mean, you look at the front end of that rotation, the back end of that rotation, and they've got some strong candidates, and they've got a deep bullpen as well. It's just going to come down to where he slots in. And I think if the longer he sits in that relief, bulk relief role, it's really going to increase that risk. But if we can see him win a job out of spring camp, if we can see him win a job somewhere in April, May, or even if Milwaukee goes to a six-man rotation to try and feature him a little bit more, I think he's going to be
1: a guy who has a ton of upside he was a player. I I agree. No, I I agree with you, Nick. I just, I, I, like you sort of said, I mean, he's got to earn a job and you got guys at the top of that rotation, like Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff. I mean, yeah, the back end of that rotation, you, you got guys that, you know, we, we've talked about just aren't that strong, but they've proven to be innings eaters. And and, you know, Aaron Ashby, if he can tone in that sinker as, you know, dominant as his spider has been, I think this is an easy guy that can step in a role. But I, 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 we've seen Milwaukee do it before. They have guys that come up and we think they're going to be dominant starters. And I, I hope he's not one of those guys where he becomes, you know, just a, another bullpen arm, you know, like a Devin Williams hater where they're just a dominant bullpen arm. But I, that that is probably my biggest concern with him right now.
0: For me, I'm still really regretting when he wasn't drafted in most of my rookie drafts last year. And when he came up, I picked him up really excited about putting my roster. And as Tessman touched on, having the first couple of starts really not going his way and dropping off of my active roster and now looking, thinking, hopefully I'd have the chance to be able to uh, have him productive this year. Uh, That's just, again, the the world of Dynasty. I love his uh, prospect ability to be able to find it, put it all together. And even if he ends up as the the four starter in Milwaukee, still being able to get some wins, be able to help your K rate and your peripherals, seems like a player that uh, could be bought for pretty cheap coming in this year and being able to give you some really good uh, category help for you moving forward. And the next player we wanna touch on is Harry Ford, ranked 101 in our prospect rankings because Tyler has him at 93, fell off of Test Monster rankings completely. Seems like he has a path to productivity. Tyler, tell us what you think.
1: Yeah, this is a player I'm, I'm extremely high on, but it's, it's very early on. If you're looking at having a player up in three years, don't look at Harry Ford. He was drafted for his great defense by Seattle as a prep catcher with plus speed. We've only seen a small sample size of him uh, with 19 games so far in rookie ball, but he boasted a 291 batting average with a 400 on base. We saw three home runs along with three stolen bases. Um, you know, although he wasn't drafted because of his bag, we've already seen early signs uh, that he has an ability to be a 2020 catcher. Uh, th- this isn't a guy i seen get called up to the majors till 2025, but this is a guy when you actually watch some of them, you know, there's not many catchers you're going to see that have the the plus speed, plus power ability. He's got that raw power potential. He just really has to grow into his body and And this is a guy I think if you can get early on and sit on him, this is, you know, someone that you could have as a long-term catcher, you know, up by the time he's 22 years old.
2: I see a guy who was drafted as the first-round pick of the Mariners last year. He's got a good bat speed, makes loud contact, even against quality pitching. As he touched on, he's got good speed for a catcher. I question whether he stays there long-term, though, because of his questionable footwork behind the plate. And his inability to throw runners out because of it, especially when it translates to higher levels. Um, catchers that show a good bat typically don't stay there, a la Bryce Harper, unless they're able to be plus defenders behind the plate. I think this is a guy long term I see ending up in right field. He did have a good last year, good year last year in 19 games. Like you said, we saw him hit 291. He did have 10 extra base hits of his 16 hits. So that's, that's promising. Um, I do see a lot of Craig Biggio in his game. Strong bat speed, uh, flashes power. Uh, but like I said, if if he transitions to the outfield, I just don't know how much of his game we're going to be able to depend on, especially in roto formats.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. If he goes to right field, this is a player that is going to lose a lot of his value. Uh, I, I'm definitely thinking, you know, when I when I actually watch him, I think, you know, he actually has a, I put him a little bit more of a higher defensive tier than it sounds like you do. I think he frames the ball pretty well. I think, you know, early on, you're talking to 18-year-old, 19-year-old, starting at rookie ball, you know, it's definitely a change of pace from high school, but I think this is a guy that's going to come into his own. He's very athletic. He's very skilled, and I think, you know, we're going to see that arm grow once he grows into his body a little bit more, and I think that defensive ability, as long as he stays as a catcher, I think this is a guy that, you know, in roto leagues is going to have a lot of value if he can continue to grow as a catcher.
2: And I don't see really any concern with the arm. It's more with the, the footwork, the, the makeup of being a catcher. I don't see any issue with, with the framing of pitches. It's being in a position to throw guys out with his plus arm because the arm, no doubt, is, is good. I just don't know if he can stay there if he can't get himself in a
1: position to throw those runners out yeah t- 2022 will definitely be a a big tell-all for harry Ford. he's either going to grow on the uh you know move up in the prospect list or he's going to fall completely off and you know i'm of the mind that you know with his bat he's m- most likely going to grow but you know if you happen to be right with his defensive abilities this this could be a guy that falls off but you know if you can get him early on i think it's a still if, if he keeps continuing to grow and we see you know those signs of improvement
0: one of the things that you saw from the first podcast i am all in on and that's the seattle mariners so for test monster your thoughts on him moving to right field i just don't see any room out there for him as this team develops i feel like they have to develop him as a catcher and being able to have that uh, bat speed and the contact ability from that catcher position i don't know where they move it Maybe he ends up at first base, but I don't, I don't see any room in the outfield. What do you think about that? Yeah. And,
2: and like we touched on, you know, last week, I, the Mariners are a team we're going to like for a long time because of all of the options that they have. But if you can't throw out runners, you can't stay at catcher. I mean, how many, how many players have we seen taking easy bases against guys like Mitch Garver or whoever, who just can't throw runners out. It's going to be a problem. And it's a liability defensively, regardless of your other abilities as a catcher. So to, to keep him there long term, he's got a little bit of work to do. And if he can do it, I can see him panning out there, especially with his offensive tools. He's a nice player. But those questions are kind of what leaves him off of my list. And if he doesn't pan out as a catcher, I just question what upside he offers.
1: I think you know, I, I sort of I, I'll sort of chime in. I mean, we we saw a similar pair and Adley Rutschman struggle when he uh left college early on we saw him only throwing out you know 60 to 70 percent of runners and this was in low a ball rookie ball and I think that you know once he even got bumped up to double a triple a we even saw struggles of that but when it comes to it if if if, you know you're good at framing and you can continue to grow I think that bat really is a tell-all I agree with you Zach I mean there's no room in the outfield but with Evan White looking like he is a nobody I mean first base could be an option and I could see Nick's point but I just think 19 years old it might be an early tell to see if you know in a small sample size if his you know ability to throw out runners I think it's a small sample size and I think this year will definitely be one of those years he's either going to be a make or break type of of guy.
0: I think that's where you talk about a late round you got him in your right around 100 and that's where those kind of late round dart throws for your fantasy drafts can benefit if he's able to be able to produce as a catcher, stay at catcher, that can be some great value for you moving forward in those late round uh, picks that you have available there. And now a player that everyone who played MLB this show at the beginning of the season knows. Let's touch on Edward Cabrera. You guys have him ranked at 78 combined, both pretty similar. Test Monster, you have him a little bit higher, but want to touch on him. Let us know what you think and why he should be somebody that deserves that ranking.
2: I see a guy who signed as a international free agent in 2015. He's taken a lot of strides forward. He's got a Fastball sitting comfortably in the upper nineties and features a true four-pitch mix. Emerged as a prospect in 2019 with a 2.23 ERA and a 10.8 K per nine over High A and Double A. Absolutely dominant in three levels of ball this year with a K per nine up to 13.5, but totally struggled when he hit the major leagues. 5.81 ERA, a startling walk rate and home run rate. Uh, I, I think we saw a lot of command issues this year, especially with walks. Really needed to locate that changeup better. Got absolutely by, destroyed by Major League hitters by leaving too many changeups right over the heart of the
1: plate. Yeah, you know, Test Monster, I, I don't really have a different opinion than you on Cabrera. I think we're both very high on him. I think this is just one of many talented arms within the Marlins organization that is going to really help them rebuild very quickly uh i'm very high on edward this year I, I don't expect him to break camp um uh, you know this is a player that i think you know their staff is just too congested right now but i do look to see him you know go back and forth between AAA and the majors i mean when i look at you know how he did in the bigs this year with a high walk rate right around 6.5 walks per nine and even 2.1 home runs per nine i don't think that that is actually who he is i think You know, a lot of that has to do with inexperience. And I think this is someone with his plus pitches and, you know, his mechanics. I think this is a guy that is going to really, in 2023, break camp and really be, you know, the number four, number three starter in a very competitive pitching rotation. I'm very high in him. You know, if you're looking at him pitching 100-plus innings in the bigs, I don't see that happening unless injuries happen because I think they have a lot of talented pitchers. But, man, if you can get Cabrera in the late rounds, I think this is a very good pickup. To your point you know we talk about
2: marlins having a strong core of starting pitchers and we we contrast that against who we talked about in quinn priester where we're not excited about that organization but miami has really had a track record of success you look at pitchers like rogers breaking out this year a sixth of sanchez sandy alcantara these are pitchers with established for the most part track records who have really emerged on the scene over the last couple years. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with this organization. And I think there's a couple more pictures on this list in future episodes we're going to touch on, but we're just really excited about what they're doing in this organization. And there's
0: a lot to like. I mean, that organization, for whatever reason, has always had a lot of talent in their farm system. You might say it's because they have, underproduced, they've been kind of bottom of the barrel team, but they've always sold off a lot of top prospects, a lot of players, and they've always been mildly competitive. So the fact that uh, you have this kind of a deep uh, farm system, pitching staff that's ready to go, that's young, could be kind of a scary thing, which when we talked about kind of like the Mariners, like we're all really excited about, what they're going to bring to the table, buying shares of them. And the thing is that we're not, we're not really buying a lot of shares, me personally, for them because they just don't develop. They, they get rid of their their prospects. They get rid of their players who break out. So it's, it's one of those things is, Cabrera, is he going to be there or is he going to be a trade chip at the deadline next season because he has that ability – to go away before they have to pay him. I'm scared about it. I like his talent. I mean, I got struck out. He struck me out a bunch on MLB The Show. And there's no reason to to really not like anything that he brings to the table, besides for the fact that, I guess, he's competing really with a Sixto Sanchez that has the rumors that he's out of shape coming in this year, so there might be a spot there available for him right away, so that if he can come up there, produce, do everything that uh, we think he can do, really, the sky's the limit for this guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, the o- only thing that really concerns me. I mean, yeah, like you said, Sixto, maybe that's his main competition. But even, I mean, they got a guy like Max Meyer that you know is even competing with him. And you think about their current, you know, starting rotation. You got a panther Rodgers, Lopez, Hernandez, and you got even got a guy they traded for in Jesus Lozardo. It makes me Concern, you know, is is he, like like you said, maybe he is a trade candidate and, you know, if you're buying into him, that might even be better for you. So, yeah, I mean, this is one of those guys that he's going to need a lot of things to go his way to really, you know, get those starts.
0: Yeah, if he falls into a different team, I feel like he could immediately jump into kind of a middle rotation player. And kind of be more valuable uh, to a, a higher caliber team that wants to keep him there. But we, you guys have been agreeing on a lot of your rankings for the last few players. Let's bring up a player that is going to be a little bit more decisive, and and Kobe Mayo, Tyler. You have him ranked at seventy-seven, and Test Monster. You want absolutely no part of him, Tyler. Why should we buy in?
1: yeah i mean this is a guy that a lot of people are gonna agree or disagree on i mean this is just across the board one of those guys that will be on some you know rankings and not all but you know when you look at a frame and uh third base six five two fifteen i think kobe will develop into a huge power hitter with plus speed uh we saw him hit nine home runs with 11 stolen bases across 53 53 games between rookie ball and a ball at only 19 years old and uh you know, I can't wait to see what he can do next against more competitive pitching across 100-plus games. Uh, he's also known to have a great eye, which we saw with his, you know, 29 strikeouts and 40 walks in those 53 games. If if this was an intro to a prep bat out of Florida, I can't wait to see what his encore is.
2: You're talking about a guy with an absolutely huge frame. You touched on it, 6'5", 215. I think long term he's probably best suited for right field where his plus arm will really play up. He's got the plus raw power, and if he outgrows the infield like I think he would, that power should grow as well. Absolutely has the good eye at the plate. Like you said, he's not afraid to draw his fair share of walks. Has the talent to have power and anchor and anchor the middle of the order. What I see here is a guy with an ugly swing. His swing is who I thought of when I saw Benny Montgomery swing a bat will definitely need a lot of time and likely a very drastic mechanical change to ever reach the major leagues and that's one of the things i'm shying away from here because i think there's more development that needs to happen and it's one of those things that either somebody has it or they don't and i'm shying away from it because of that
1: yeah you know you sort of bring up a swing and and i i tend to agree with you i think this is you know a, a a hitter that has to have a you know a little bit different of a swing approach but you know when you look at someone with an eye like his that's not something that you can easily teach and I think this is a hitter you know he's got that power potential if he has the eye that he does I don't think his swing plays as big of a factor we've seen hitters like Cody Bellinger minus 2021 20, I mean that's obviously not what I want to compare him to but even Zach Veen you know with hitters that don't have the prettiest swings but you know when they have great plate discipline they have the success. I, when you're talking about mechanics, that's one of the hardest
2: changes to make, whether you're talking about a pitcher or a hitter. and In this case, you're talking about a hitter who just is not mechanically sound. We're talking about a top-to-bottom change, and that is arguably the hardest change to make, whether you're talking about baseball, golf, whatever. You're talking about any kind of a swing. That is very difficult to change, and that's, that's the reason I shy away from guys with this kind of profile, especially with being old for a high school draft age. It's just very difficult and one one we rarely
1: see. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I would tend to agree with you if this was a college guy, if he was coming out 21, 22 years old. I think this guy has a lot of chance to develop in, you know, Baltimore's organization. I don't see it as much of an issue if he was sitting here striking out, you know, 70 times across fifty-three games, this would be a guy I wouldn't even balk at. But I, I think there's a lot to love here. I think he's got great speed, great power, and you know, it's it's one of those late dart throws. But I think, you know, it's it's a little bit safer of a dart throw when you actually look at his overall potential.
0: I think what Tyler is saying here makes a lot of sense to me, is when I'm evaluating a hitter in the the pre-collegiate era. Uh, they haven't gone to college. They haven't had that ability to, again, develop more. And you're know, looking at them. They already have that plate discipline. That is one of the things for me when I look at a prospect that has the potential to break out. And we're looking at uh, a Volpe, who obviously showed that over the last year, being able to break out, show his potential. And one of those things for me was that plate discipline, being able to take pitches, know the zone, be able to control the bat. An ugly swing is an ugly swing. That's just your kind of mindset going into it. Um, I think when you talked about Bellinger, I mean, there was the MVP Bellinger who nobody said he had an ugly swing when he was the MVP. And now when he's somebody that I don't want to draft in my lineup at all, he has an ugly swing, I think. That's just more of a a mindset thing because of kind of the production. But I don't know how to um, really categorize an ugly swing on a top 100 prospect list. I do know how to evaluate. This guy can take pitches. This guy knows the zone. This guy knows how to handle a bat. This is one of those dart throws that I'm on board with Tyler here saying, I think this is a great dart throw. In the late round of our rookie draft, that could make that breakout in a year or two. Test Monster, is there a reason that I shouldn't be a part of that? I,
2: I think the biggest thing for me that I've seen in looking at a lot of analysis from the scouts is that there's the, the ugly swing creates a big hole in the strike zone, especially when you're looking at velocity in the top end of the zone. And I think that could be a big problem especially if he climbs to the upper levels without making that transition and so that's that's the biggest thing i'm concerned about is velocity high in the zone and if if major league pitchers can identify that before he makes that transition you're going to see a big problem
0: i think there's been a big transition again we talk about changing your swing in the last recent years there's been a big transition into uh ball flight and kind of the upward angle that the ball should be taken off of. And there's a lot of baseball players. All of MLB really has been trying to focus on that. So there's been a lot of swing changes. This is something that can happen, especially for a young guy. I think this can happen. I'd like to lean on Tyler's side here. Tyler, any last words on this guy that you want to kind of convince everyone that to buy? I
1: mean – Overall, if you're looking at a guy that's going to get you stolen bases and home runs, I mean, I, I understand the concerns from from Test Monster, but I, I just think that this guy, I mean, he's got great plate discipline. He's got great speed. He's got great plus power. I mean, coming into this season, he's going to be 20 years old. I think there's so much development opportunity. And and I just, overall, I just, I mean, you take away some, some bad swing mechanics. I think that I mean, yeah, it's not something easily teachable, but he's still young, and I think there's still a couple years where, you know, before he breaks in the bigs, there's development opportunities, and he's already shown a lot of great things that he he has a great understanding between, you know, like like I've said, his great play discipline. I think it's, he's going to develop into a great hitter. And, uh, you know, you sort of touched touched on, uh, you know, him moving to the outfield. I don't see that as a problem with his plus speed and plus power. You know, I don't think that changes his – his value.
0: and I say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. This guy's young, we can teach him a new swing pattern, he'll be great, let's buy on him.
2: I think this is a great time to debut a new segment that we've been wanting to introduce to the podcast, the shot bet. The loser of the bet takes a shot for their incorrect opinion and on all accounts you're woefully wrong here Tyler. So, what I wager to you, shot bet, Kobe Mayo does not have a 2020 season in the year 2022.
1: I will actually up it to two shots because I strongly disagree with you here. I think in a 100-game season in at least, you know, probably high A to double A ball, I think he's going to have a 2020 season. And I'm willing to throw two shots on line because I think I'm going to enjoy some podcast come August or September. You taking a couple shots.
2: You know that's intriguing, and I'd love to accept that, especially since we've been doing this as part of our group for so long. And I would love to see you take two shots on some episode of a podcast soon to come. Well, bartender, mark that one up. We're going to take this down as the first official shot bet of the Dynasty Locker Room podcast.
0: And after that exciting first shot that's that happens on that podcast, really happy to see which one of you has to take those shots on a future episode. Let's go to a player that you all really like, Reginald. Frisiano. Because I don't know how to pronounce that last name. But you both have him in your top 100. He's listed currently at 76. Let us know what you like about him, Test Monster.
2: I see here the 2021 international signee, obviously very raw. He's going to need a longer time to develop than most. If you're wanting a guy who's up in three, four years, if you have a cap on that, this isn't your guy. However, he profiles as a switch hitter that hits for average and power from both sides of the plate which is incredibly valuable compact swing able to generate bat speed easily with his raw power he's got fringy speed he plays short and third now i see a likely move to third in his future but i see a lot of cory seager in his game and he had a 333 average with three home runs and seven steals in 34 games of rookie ball
1: yeah i think that was a very good player comp in cory seager i uh this was a player I was not very high on him until I started watching some film. And this was a guy that you uh, you sort of threw my way and we ended up ranking him very similarly. Um, I can only imagine when he fills out what he'll be able to do. He's got plus speed, plus raw power and uh, a great eye at the plate. I This is a guy I see even climbing the rankings higher and higher. But like you said, this isn't a guy that's going to be called up anytime soon uh can't agree with you more on the transition from shortstop to third base you split time this year adam but i do see over time him probably moving to third base
2: it really feels weird for you to agree with me after the last player but i think obviously the tools here say a lot i mean when you're talking about a guy who can put up average can put up power you know if he can swipe a few bags i'm going to be happy but I see him as a third baseman long-term, and if he's that switch hitter that can give you all of those things, there's a lot to like, especially if the Cubs can build a lineup around him long-term.
0: Tyler, yeah, can you let everyone know that why he's ahead of some guys like Groshans or Jeter Downs? Like Groshans now with Austin Martin gone has a viable place to productivity in Toronto. Jeter Downs has been one of those high prospects that has been traded and everyone's been really high on. Why is this a player that should be higher than both of those players on your draft board? Yeah, I mean, when
1: I think it comes to it, you got to think when it comes to the Cubs organization, they've obviously traded away a lot of their guys to sort of rebuild. And when you think of, you know, pure ceiling potential, if you're going to take someone uh in a you know late second early third round you're taking someone that has a high ceiling i think you know when it comes to Groshans, when it comes to a jeter down we've sort of seen in the minors you know their ability and i don't think there's much growth from what we've seen them and don't get me wrong they're both very good you know players i think when it comes to at his age and him not fully filling out yet i think there's a lot to be desired once he really comes into his own I think this is a guy, you know, once he shifts over to third base, yeah, he doesn't have the best fee, but this is a third baseman that could really put up a good amount of stolen bases. He's got great power, and I just think, you know, when it comes to a ceiling, he just has a lot more potential than those two players. I I just have to rank him higher for that, you know, pure fact. Will Grossens be up sooner than him? Will Jeter Downs be up sooner than him? Sure, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be better fantasy assets, and that's what I see Reginald you know, being a good fantasy asset. I
0: think that's a great way to look at the players when you talk about, hey, maybe some of these players have been talked about for a while or have when you look at maybe some of ESPN's rankings, have them kind of towards the top of the rankings because they're going to be up earlier. But that might not translate to your dynasty rankings. And that's what we're focused on here is who's going to be able to carry your team? Who's going to be able to make your team a juggernaut for years to come, and Preciado is going to be one of those guys. And the next person at 81 overall, Tyler, you have him a little bit higher than Test Monster does, but let's talk about Quinn Priester. Tyler, let's kick it off with you right away. Let us know what you like about this pitcher and where he's at. You know, one thing I don't
1: like is he's with Pittsburgh, but that I'm not going to hold against him. This is a another prep player I'm actually pretty high on. Pirates seem to have drafted a real safe player who I see being up, you know, as a 2023 late call up. Um, you know, it's unfortunate he missed the 2020 and that held him back a little bit because this is a guy I actually think is a very consistent pitcher. Uh, he boasted a 55 plus percentage ground ball rate and high A ball. Uh, he doesn't Come with a high K rates going to sit right around nine to 10 K per nine, but his walk rate is something that's very promising. I think this is just a very safe pick and you almost know what you're going to get with him.
2: I see, you, you know, you touched on it a little bit talking about Pittsburgh and that you don't love him there. Look at all the pitchers over the years that have absolutely flamed out pitching in Pittsburgh, Mitch Keller being the latest of those. So there's some question marks there, but you see a pitcher who made a lot of noise last year in the instructional camps with no ball going on, and he parlayed that into a strong 2021. I, I particularly think a 9 to 10 K per nine is pretty decent, especially if you're talking about a lower walk rate, a 3.04 ERA. Uh, definitely improved mechanics last year, too, than we saw previously. Uh, sitting in the mid-90s, adding velocity, one of the best curveballs in all of minor leagues. Good sharp bite. It's Wayne Re- Wainwright-esque, but harder. Getting the feel for the changeup too is gonna to help him too down the line. One of the biggest things that jumps out to me is he was able to limit hard contact. 20% line drive rate in 2021, which is well below any league's average. Uh, but I do have questions about his command. Uh, you, you touched on the walk rate, I touched on it. 3.6 walks per nine has to be honed in honed in just a little bit to be more what I'm looking for in a starting pitcher of his caliber but
1: it's not going to hurt you especially in a roto league. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree I, I agree I mean this is a guy I mean as a prep arm coming out of high school we at least got to see this year 100 innings out of him and I think that's something that you know with these pitchers that are prep arms we don't get to see often you know them throw 100 innings and and it, it was extremely nice to see I mean obviously he missed 2020 which was Really, you know, demoralizing. But I I think this is a guy that, you know, has great potential, a very safe floor kind of pick. And you know, Mason, I'd love to know what your opinion is on him.
0: I had the weird uh, thing I just wanted to bring up of you mentioned that you don't like him uh, being a part of Pittsburgh. You obviously, if the hitter's there, you it's it's tough to get up those counting stats. But I think as a pitcher, depending on what your first category is there if it's if it's wins you might lack there a little bit but if it's quality starts then really the team doesn't matter you can get quality starts you can get your era and whip and you can get your k's with your hitters being irrelevant so for me thinking that he's being in pittsburgh and having that stigma also kind of makes me feel like he's a steal because people would undervalue him because of the team he's on and maybe that's just my opinion on this but I think uh, being able to be on one of those uh, shitty teams and being able to still produce stats at an elite level uh, will give you some value here what do you think about that test monster
2: I think for me the question more centers around what that coaching staff does with pitchers because how many pitchers have we seen absolutely do nothing? I mean, you look at a guy like Garrett Cole who emerged but didn't really do anything until he left the organization. You look like a, um, a Mitch Keller who had all the promise in the world and came up and has done absolutely nothing. So I think that's where my question centers. And as Tyler continues to say, with, with opportunity comes production. But, you know, if you don't have the coaching staff in place to really play that up, there's just a lack of value long-term, I think.
0: I think that's a great way to sum up kind of everyone's thoughts on Quinn Priester and seeing where he's valued and why he's valued there. Let's move over to Reed Detmers at 91. Both of you, again, very similar in your rankings. Test Monster, I know you have a lot to say about him, so let's see what you have to say.
2: Well, I want to preface this by saying it absolutely kills me to talk about Angels prospects, especially in front of Tyler. But Detmers is absolutely a guy I find myself acquiring more and more shares of. He absolutely dominated at Louisville and made himself worthy of a first-round pick. And he continued that in the minors this year at AA and AAA with a 319 ERA, 15.7 K per nine, has a five-pitch mix headlined by a curveball, that might be one of the best in any league. Uh, lack of fastball velocity he had teams questioning him, but he had a huge spike in velocity, and he now sits in the mid nineties. I do worry a little bit about his spotty command that he showed showed in the big leagues last year. Hitters absolutely teed off on him to the tune of eleven point three hits per nine. Uh, he left a lot of fastball and changeups right over the middle of the plate, but was more much more effective when throwing those breaking balls, which he's much more known for.
0: Yeah,
1: I, I don't get to talk about prospects for my angels often, and I, I love to talk about them just because I know you guys hate it, but uh, it, it excites me. But this is, you know, one of those players that I think is a very safe floor kind of player. I think you know what you're getting with him on your team, usually known for his control. You know, his debut in the MLB might have made you think different, but I I, I think that members down the road has a great potential to be a, you know, a 3-4 starter uh, once he gets more exposure, I don't see, however, that K rate converting for Detmers like we we saw in you know in Double A, Triple and even when he was in college. I think that fastball is you know very average with very little movement, but that plus curveball is really something I do love. Uh, this year, you know, if you're looking at what you know Detmers might do, I I see him being a spot starter for the Angels, being you know up and down between Triple A and the bigs. I think. You know, I think the Angels probably will sign another arm, so this is a guy that might miss the rotation consistently. But you know, this is a guy, you know, from 2023 that really could, uh, you know, be a consistent starter and and very safe pick.
2: I think for me, it is as long as he can hone in that command, especially on his non-breaking pitches. You talk about the fastball. You know, maybe that maybe that doesn't sit in at 95, 94 forever. Maybe that dips down. But if he can establish that change up lower in the zone, not miss that over the heart of the plate, if he can hone some of those aspects about his game that he just missed on and maybe, I mean, we see that with minor league prospects who get the call up for the first time all the time. If he can figure out how to pitch to the zones that have made him effective in the past, I really see upside here. And maybe he's not that, obviously he's not a 15K per nine kind of guy, but if he can sit in that 9K per nine range, especially on an Angels team that has been about 500 for seemingly forever. This is a guy who could rack up wins, who could rack up some quality starts, and absolutely could rack up some nice K totals, even if he only sits at 9K for nine over the course of his career.
0: For me, there's a couple of things that are on both sides of the spectrum. And you've, you've both touched on him, I just kind of want to bring him to the forefront again. I mean, he's got an elite breaking pitch so that's what i'd love to to buy in on is that's what i want to like be a part of for his growth but seeing his velocity increase gives me pause because it was such an increase that i'm afraid that there's going to be an injury coming soon when you have that much more stress coming out of your arm uh, in a short period of time I, I just see Tommy John in his future. I'm no medical doctor. I'm just a guy who's afraid of losing uh, one of my cornerstones of my prospects if I draft him uh, early for a year, year and a half, with a big injury, with that big increase in velocity, that, that stress that's not used to be put on there. Tyler, got any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I I think Detmers is a a prime example of being called to the bigs and having that adrenaline. I think, you know, this is a guy that, you know, is average 92 to 93, and I think adrenaline made him throw a little bit faster, and, you know, as the game went on, we saw him start to struggle a little bit more. I think where his success was is when he actually, you know, focused on his mechanics and, and wasn't trying to overthrow. I think this is a guy, you know, once he realizes... You know, my success was when I was throwing 92, 93, don't overthrow, you know, control my mechanics. I think this is the guy that tones it back, and we see him actually be more successful when that fastball actually dips a little bit. I'm not so worried about it. I think it's just an adrenaline factor, and I think when he actually goes back to what he was doing in AAA, we're going to see that convert really nicely for him.
0: I do really like him as a prospect in which, as Test Monster said, we always are cheering against you, which is unfortunate for the Angels that they just have to be a, a, a counter-argument against you. But we love Reed Detmer. Um, I think he's going to be a, a prospect to be looked on with it. With you. When you have something that approaches 75, 80 on a breaking ball, that's nothing to be overlooked. And this could be a big breakout year for him, getting him in your 8th, ninth, 10th round of a startup draft or a rookie draft. Uh, in particular, is going to be could be a great dart throw for you going forward. And the next player to touch on here is going to be Asa Lacey. You guys have him ranked at 96, both very similar in your rankings. A guy who, again, has fallen down the draft board. To me personally, last year, I thought he was ranked a little bit too high. I had a player like George Kirby over him, but you guys tell me what you like about him test monster i know you want to touch on him kick it off
2: i mean you're looking at a guy when he was at texas a m absolutely earned his fourth overall draft at pedigree with his stuff alone uh the violent delivery creates some perceived relief risk especially with the questions about command that we saw this year and earlier in his college career but we see a big fastball that sits mid-90s Tops out high 90s, lots of movement on the hard slider, huge bat missing depth on the curve. The changeup needs a little bit of polish, but it's absolutely a weapon against righties. He struggled mightily in high A, especially with his command, where he walked seven per nine, and it's just a guy I have questions about at this point, especially with that
1: delivery and his relief risk. Yeah, this this might be one of my biggest disappointments amongst prospects last year. I was really high on him. Uh, I thought we saw a very MLB-ready player at Texas A&M, and I thought that his path to the digs uh, was gonna be very clear with the deprived organization, with the the pitchers that they have. Thought it'd be very quick that we'd see him work his way up, but very much like Gore, uh, we saw him struggle and had mechanic issues and horrible control, like you mentioned, seven walks, on average per nine. Um, I mean, that's going to keep anybody from being promoted. Uh, I think what Lacey did well that kept him on that list was his put away pitches. He's always had excellent plus pitches. I think if he can fix his control and eliminate all of his other, that that alone will eliminate all of his other negative stats he has. I don't give give up on him here. I think uh, if he can, you know, lower his home run total per nine, I think this is a guy that we're gonna see called up in 2023. You know, we saw him maybe as a top 20 prospect this year and he just fell extremely hard, but I think this is a guy that's gonna bounce back just like Gore.
0: Even last year after being one of the top pitching prospects for me, he was nowhere near that top 20, top 30, top 40 that I wanted. Test Monster touched on that violent delivery Anybody, especially left-handers who have that kind of violent delivery, seem to profile to me as a relief pitcher, Seem to profile as being able to come in there and get a couple people out you look at uh, a role as Chapman, you look at a Josh Hader, you have these big violent deliveries that come in hard, come in fast, a lot of movement, but really hard to do that for seven innings and not walk a bunch of people and we've seen that translate into a high walk rate and not being able to utilize his plus plus stuff to be able to translate that into a starting pitcher role, and the fact is, to me, I just don't see him being able to stay in that starting rotation. He's not a guy to be in my top hundred. Not a guy that probably in my top one hundred fifty. I'm not interested in drafting relief really pitchers, and I might be look really dumb if he gets called up this year and and finds that control. But I just don't see it happening, Test Monster. Am I wrong?
2: I mean, to your point, I mean, we saw araldus Chapman come up as a starting pitcher, and that just went woefully wrong on every level. So I see a lot of what you're saying here. And to me, command seems to be the qu- biggest question mark, obviously, regarding Lacey as this, at this point. I mean, if he can figure out a way to hone that in even a little bit, I see a Blake Snell type in that you're not going to always have the command, but you're going to have uh, – Something close to that, where you're at least missing close to the strike zone, making hitters think about swinging a
1: little bit, where he can at least be effective to a degree. You know, Nation. To your point, I mean George Kirby. I mean that was a guy we were all high on. I mean the control he has, the walk rate he's he's shown. I mean that is a guy that you know we're all extremely high on. Been climbing the prospect board, but I I have to you know strongly disagree. I mean this is a guy sec is no walkthrough and he had great success there and you know we saw some control issues his walk per nine was never you know under control but his overall plus pitches were something that you know everyone really thought was going to translate i think this is a guy just given a little bit more time like i said opportunity comes production i think this is a guy given a little bit more chance and a little bit more growth opportunity we're going to see grow and really climb the rankings i mean Kansas City has nobody for pitching, and this is a guy that, you know, they're expecting to be up in the bigs in the next year or two, and I think I think Kansas City fans are going to be really happy.
0: It's opportunity comes production. I think we both love that if you're able to, to be in that starting lineup to be able to uh, get those counting stats in there. But as a pitcher, I think it's a little bit different if your uh, peripheral stats, your ERA, your WIP, aren't able to be there that production's not going to help you. It might actually hurt you. So for his beginning of his career, until he figures it out, I don't think he's somebody that I would want to put on my roster. I don't think he's somebody that, I mean, like I've said, I don't think he's going to figure it out. I'd see him going to, at best, be uh, a middle of the pack reliever um, with an upside of that Josh Hader, Realms Chapman, which... If you're drafting prospects, I don't know how many prospects that anybody's drafting saying I hope he's going to be a closer because of that high turnover right there. I just see a lot of uh, uncertainty in where he's going to be pitching and is he going to be able to get there for me to really want to invest in at all. But, I mean, there's a lot of plus-plus pitching in there, and it's going to be tough if he finds control. He's going to be a tough uh, pitcher for any batter to face as a lefty if he gets to utilize those plus plus pitches for sure. And now let's kick it over to Dustin Harris, ranked 98 in your prospect rankings just because Tyler has him at 89 not on Tessman's board. Tyler, why is he somebody who you should be targeting towards your 8 towards your late round uh picks in your uh, dynasty draft?
1: Yeah, this is one player that uh, you can get in a late round this year, but if he uh, repeats what he did in 2021, this is going to be a guy that I think is going to climb the boards the quickest. Uh, I mean, there's not many first basemen out there that have a potential to hit 20 plus home runs and still 20 bags. Uh, Dustin Harris, he was drafted by Oakland, and uh, Texas might have easily won this trade that involved Mike Miner. Uh, He was expected just to have plus speed with some plus raw power. I mean, this is a guy that struggled early on. I mean, he only hit three home runs in 106 games. Uh, but in 2021, he hit 20. Uh, and then before that, even in A ball, he was caught stealing 50% of the time. But this last year, he stole 25 out of 27 uh, opportunities. So this is a guy that's, you know, I don't know if this is, we call it a fluke year or if we actually think that he finally, you know, has grown into his frame. He's now six two, one ninety. 190. I'm a firm believer that this is a guy we're going to see starting double A this year and, and is easily, a you know, 2020 candidate. I think this is a very good still in late rounds. I think when you're talking about dart throws, this is the kind of guy you want to take a stab
2: at. You look at a guy who was picked in the 11th round in the major league draft, and he's obviously last year shown that he has potential to play well above that pedigree. Definitely made some tweaks in his swing over the course of 2020 in that instructional camps. And it was obviously excellent this year at two levels of A ball with a 327 batting average, a 401 on base. Talk about 20 home runs and 25 steals and got even better after he was promoted from A to high A. A guy who profiles with raw power that finally made its way into games last year. Uh, scouts, scouts that I'm following show that he he's not great at third base might be a long-term fit at first base. And if you're talking about a guy who can profile with 2020 at a first base position, that's absolutely a value in almost any round. I just wonder
1: what, wonder if he can keep that going forward. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Uh, I mean, we, we start to wonder if this was just a, a fluke year for him, but, I mean, like you sort of mentioned, you know when he got promoted to high A ball, this was a guy that you know showed that he could easily adjust and he hit just as many home runs as he did in a ball in about half the games, put up a three seventy two batting average in high a ball. This is a guy with a with great plate discipline i i just there was a lot to love from his twenty twenty one year and, you know, if he can duplicate that in 2022, like you said, great dart throw kind of pick in a late round. I'm a huge Dustin Harris fan.
0: For me, this, again, wasn't a guy that was really on my board, wasn't somebody I was looking at, had no inkling or reason to, to dive deeper into him than anything I've heard. But hearing the plus speed, hearing kind of what you guys are saying, this is kind of something that – I'll have to dive deeper into myself, being able to kind of see if that's somebody who I want to value in those late rounds in my rookie drafts. And really excited to kind of find out a little bit more about him because this seems like somebody that, like Tess Monster mentioned, those late round dart throws that could end up um, moving forward to being a, a top one or two round pick the next year and getting them a year early. Seems like it has a lot of value for you here. And let's finish off your guys' prospects you want to talk about in this, like, 75 to plus 100 range with the person who I don't think deserved to be here, really, which is going to be Nate Pearson. You guys have him ranked at uh, 79 because Test Monster has him ranked at 59 overall, and Tyler, you don't have him ranked which is, is kind of a weird situation with Nate Pearson. He's not rookie eligible anymore because he was on the active roster for too long, but he hasn't pitched enough innings to, to finish his rookie eligibility. So most people consider uh, a prospect in that eligibility and, and his pitch range. It's, it's debatable on whether or not he should be on your prospects. But for me, he hasn't done enough to prove that he's not a prospect. He's not a big leaguer right now. Test monster. Tell us why we should still consider him a prospect. And and honestly, even if he's a big leaguer, tell us why we should buy him anyway.
2: Well, I want to start by saying that, you know, you, you talk about his rookie eligibility expiring, but when you look at it, Injury issues have really derailed his development on a whole. I mean, you're talking about a combined 188 innings over the last five years. So that's certainly a factor for me. And I also want to say that the only reason he's on this list at all is for his upside alone because if he hits that, he's going to be absolutely dominant. I see a guy here who's been proven to be an elite strikeout pitcher at every single level with 10K per nine at every level and 12K per nine against major league competition. But there's definitely command issues here. Obviously, we've seen in two years in the major leagues, we've seen a 6.8 walks per nine. But he's got that elite elite fastball velocity. And, the you know, if, if he hits that, if he can get stretched out, obviously, we're going to see the pitcher that we all thought he was going to be coming up.
1: You know, I, I, I almost wish I would have ranked Nate Pearson just – for the fact that, uh, you know, if I would have had him, I would have been able to sell high because I think too many people are high on him. I've lost so much interest in Nate Pearson. I think this is, this is a guy that has so many dominant pitches as a, you know, potential high-end starter. But we've only seen him top 100 innings once in the last four years due to injuries. And I think, you know, when it comes to it over a four-plus year span, when you keep talking about injuries, you start to wonder, you know, why are we still talking about him? it was very evident once he was called up his vocation was very poor in the majors uh and people were hitting him very hard 10 percent higher hard hit percentage than the mlb average exit velocity against him was also two miles per hour higher than the league average uh we noticed his spin rates take a die, uh a dive in 2021 at this point i'm selling 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 him, mate because i think he's a back end reliever who, you know, is probably going to be more successful when he's able to ramp up only in an inning and get that miles per hour on all of his pitches up and that spin rate up instead of pitching five to seven innings per game. I just think, you know, when you watch him, I think he's run his course and we now see who he is and maybe he is the Josh Hader kind of guy. If that's what you want to buy into, sure. But I, I just, I'm selling, 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 selling.
2: And what you said right there is exactly what kind of scares me about his profile. I mean, we saw him develop into almost an exclusively two-pitch pitcher last year with a fastball and slider only, and that's what really concerns me, especially if the Blue Jays are worried that much about his injuries and whether or not that's going to take shape in his development. But I think if we can see him in that Michael Kopech role, you know, see a guy who pitches bulk relief or see a guy who gets the occasional spot start, but just focuses on what he needs to do when he's pitching, limit those walks, limit the things that went wrong for him, and really focus on pitch location just for an inning, just for a couple of innings at a time. I think this is a guy who, if he can do that, can evolve into that pitcher that we saw when he was coming up. And if he can build on that, it's really going to be something that he can use going forward And maybe take that step into the picture that we saw that we all fell in love with two years ago
0: for me i have been a big component of michael kopeck i was a big person for nate pearson and i love the fact that test sponsor touched on nate pearson maybe this year going to the michael kopeck role because of the fact that we touched on last podcast Of that Toronto starting staff, that back end of the Toronto bullpen, where he fits in really good is in that inning-to-inning at at five or six inning, uh, getting people out, which was Kopech's role last year. Uh, Again, another elite arm that just quite didn't know how to get people out right when he got up, and then get to figure out how to get people out And then move into that starting pitcher staff. So I am going to be again on this side, on the test monster side, saying Nate Pearson should be somebody if he's eligible in your draft, because I know it's rookie eligible in some drafts. Go and get him because I know that what Tyler said can scare you, but guys still has three plus plus pitches. Being able to get people out, but kind of just needs to learn the Kopech style of how to get people out. Tyler, do you disagree with what I said or how dumb am I?
1: I mean, I don't disagree with it. I mean, we all know he's got the plus stuff, but when it comes to it, I mean, we're looking at a 25-year-old. And yeah, he takes on that Kopech role, but by the time we see him starting and what are we talking, a 27-year-old? I just, I mean... At what point do the Blue Jays say, okay, you were dominant in that Kopech style role where you were a long reliever, you know, late reliever and, you know, shoot, you've dealt with a lot of injuries. We just keep you in that role. I think that's, that's bound to happen. I just think they say, you know, screw it. You've been too successful as our setup man or whatever, and we're just going to keep you there. We would rather have you there than, you know, try to push you out to 120, 150 innings, which you've only done once in the last four years, and I just think the Blue Jays have too much invested in him to try to sit here and, you know, inning limit him at the age of 27. I just, I don't see it. I think we got a bullpen guy here.
0: You say that, it makes me sad, because I'm looking at a guy who I've loved for years, and I can see why you think that. I mean, they brought in people, they got Alex Manoa, they have the starting rotation that's going to be good. They have back into the bullpen right now. The only ro- the only place for him is really that go-back role, long reliever, uh, starting pitcher, five or six. Not really him for this year. So you if you're buying him, you can't buy him as a prospect now. You have to buy him as a team that's rebuilding, and you have to like buy him for. I don't know, a, a fifth or sixth round rookie pick so that he can be your starting pitcher maybe two or three years from now after he develops that field, be able to know how to get people out in the major leagues. And I, I think he can get there, but it, it's tough for your dynasty baseball team because he has to be on your active roster. and And that's tough. And, I think
2: it's tough to say... I think it's tough to take that step back but you look at that back end of that rotation though and after the front four though you're looking at a guy like maybe a ross stripling or maybe they bring a guy in but there's going to be an opening there where he might get enough chances at a spot start he might get enough bulk inning relief appearances i mean there's going to be opportunities for him to build and i think like we saw with kopek last year there's just enough upside here where there, there's potential to buy, especially for as low as he is. And if we ever see that upside, I mean, we we've seen pitchers like Jacob Degrom not even emerge till age 27. So I think when you're talking about age, I think it's, I mean, it's a concern because not many pitchers have done it. I just think it's it's foolish to throw that out
1: with the bathwater and say it can't be done. You know, yeah, I, I, uh, I'd love to almost. I'd love to wrap it up here almost just by saying I want Nate to pan out. I love Nate and I hope it, I hope I'm, I'm proven wrong. I just, I see your guys' point, but I just don't see it.
0: Yeah. I think we're all on the same kind of the same page is we think the arm talent's there. It's just a matter of not whether it, it can pan out or whether he's going to be able to pitch deep enough. And For me, I think that uh, elite pitches and some control. Again, we've been talking about all of this. Nate Pearson is somebody that I think this year is going to be my number two player. I'm staking my flag in saying this is somebody you're going to get a lot of value on. Again, behind number one, Ty France. So on that note, I think that's a good place to stop episode one of this Dynasty uh, prospect series. Uh, Test Monster, you want to tell everyone what we have coming up in the future for everyone to listen to? Yeah, obviously, we're going to be working
2: on continuing the rest of this top 100 prospects list, rounding it out uh, via podcast here. Tyler and I will keep going at that in depth over the next couple episodes. Uh, Working on the top 15 prospects by division. Next week, you'll be able to check out the top 15 prospects for the AL Central. Just dropped the AL East this week, so stay tuned for those. Obviously, working on some weekly NHL content. uh, Working on not only the waiver wire posts, but uh, coming up, we're going to have the position rankings uh, for forwards, defensemen, and goalies. So keep an eye out for those. And obviously, all of the baseball content we're working on uh full steam heading into the baseball season hoping for that lockout to end real
0: soon and tyler what do you got coming up
1: yeah so i'm going to be continuing my uh, boom and bust articles i'm finishing up the al west this week and next week i'll be diving into the nl central on top of that i'm going to be working on a michael kopech article and you know why you should be extremely high on them this year and Uh, On top of that, I should be working with another writer in the Dynasty locker room uh, on an article for 10 prospects that you might not have heard of, but you really should start doing your research on.
0: Definitely looking forward to that as a person who bought into Michael Kopech years ago. uh, Hoping he finally turns the corner and pans out. Been uh, a long time waiting for him, but I hope everyone... Uh, tunes into as well, me and Test Monster are working into the top 300 Dynasty players for our overall rankings for baseball coming out. So that'll be really exciting to be able to put that list together and have a little back and forth discussion, Discussion uh, seeing some of those players, maybe 50, maybe 100 spots apart, uh, and who we're think- looking at breaking out there. And of course, always visit us at our forum uh, and be able to interact with the community, ask us any questions. And keep an eye out for the DLR Baseball League, bringing up a a nice Dynasty Baseball League with some prizes for everyone to be able to have a nice discussion, see a real-life Dynasty Baseball League, and be able to have um, a a good amount of uh, back and forth on some of the best trades, some of the best uh, draft picks free Agent Wire, um, and just really get to have a good time with with a Dynasty League. Test Monster, any last words?
2: Yeah, I mean, I know uh, we were going to be working on a uh, wrap-up NFL podcast, working on that with our cohort, Jason, who's new to the Dynasty Locker Room as well. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, as far as where you can find my content, uh, check me out everywhere, DLR, Test Monster, Twitter, uh, Reddit. Uh, anywhere you're listening to this podcast, go ahead and give us a like and subscribe. And looking forward to keeping this series going.
0: Absolutely. And anything else? Tyler? Yeah, you know, I uh, just constantly, uh, I'll be
1: on Reddit, Uh, I I like to give feedback uh, to anybody that wants to comment on any articles I post on there, I'm on there daily uh, at fart0263. Yeah, go ahead and make your jokes, I'll respond to those too, but again, it's fart0263, I'm also on Twitter as well.
0: Well, great, looking forward to everyone being able to interact. And as always, you can find me, Nation, at NationDLR on, on Twitter, at Reddit. I'll find us on the website. And look forward to interacting with everyone. Just like Test Monster said, give us a like, give us a subscribe wherever you're listening. And until next time.